it is scary. Like, don't let anyone tell you that it isn't. It is. It's scary. You're facing off against part of you that that you have rejected and abandoned, and it will feel scary. And it parts of it will be scary. And you are strong enough. This is Awakened Love, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angel. This is a space where we get real, real about sex, love, and awakening. So strap in. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Welcome to another episode of Awakened Love. And today we have Miss Rachel Pringle. Rachel is a Tantra mysticism teacher. She's an artist, a poet. She is one of the most devoted and sincere spiritual seekers I have ever encountered on this path. She is my best friend, an amazing collaborator. She's been featured in the likes of Elle and Mind Valley and Vogue. And I'm so, so delighted to have her here with us today. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? As you can hear, we're already laughing, feeling turned on, <laughs> excited and connected. Welcome to the show, babe. Thanks for coming. Oh, me. Thanks for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thanks to everyone listening, but yeah, especially thanks to you. <laughs> oh, I am just honored as always to be in any sort of conversation with you, my soul sisters. So, so mm. grateful. So remind me, my love, what was your word for 2022? My words were luxurious creation. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Which was, which is, it's, it's, you know, it's such a great question and it's so beautiful. And it's, I love you because it's so been present on my mind because I think that we we make this statement, right? Like the new year is coming and we're like, the, this is my word or these are my words. And in the first few months, at least for me, it, it doesn't have a tendency to show up because we're kind of in the, in the preparation or the gestation or the um, creation or action mode of it. And it's always at the end of the year that I look back and I'm like, God damn, God damn. I really was in that. Um, and, and really, as we're in the tail end of the year, feeling it so deeply and so profoundly in, in a really beautiful way, I returned to poetry in a really deep way this year. Um, and really like the poetry within me. And I also surrendered to help, help outside of myself which mm. helped with the luxury part of creation, right? Not not starving myself or demanding or um, sort of like straining to create, but using outside sources, people, um, you know, things to help me in that process. And it's been, it's been pretty incredible. And I've seen like my business grow and my brand grow in a way that I don't think I could have even imagined because I surrendered so deeply to it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You bring up a really important point, which is receiving help. And you know, I'll be working on this, honey. <laughs> why do you we think all be working on so this? <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you think at least for you and your journey, like what's been hard about that? You know, I, I think there's two things and I think, uh, you'll resonate very deeply as we talk about this all the time. It's like, I am quick. I am fast. I go at a speed that is just, I, I don't think the norm. And so, you know, in full, complete honesty, I can get really 
frustrated with people who can't keep up with me, you know? And, and so it's like when I have in the past collaborated, I have felt like I have pulled the weight. And I know that you and I have mm. had this conversation before, which is why collaborating together feels so great because we're both like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that there's to, exactly to what I just expressed is that there's an, a level of surrender into something greater than like my human experience, right? Because like the Rachel that is a fast moving train to step off that train to to like be in collaboration with the divine and to, to know that the divine doesn't have to look like just the spiritual connection inside of us, but can look like a person outside of us and mm. trusting. Yeah, really trusting in that and and taking our, for me personally, the micromanaging out of it because that is in a, in a way like a projection and you're setting the people up opposite you to fail because you're already trying to fix them versus giving them a chance to pick up their own speed and and to meet you in the, in the places and ways that you can't necessarily meet yourself right you know Johan and I always talk about like collaborating with people that are in their zone of genius so we can collectively make a living organism of transformation like i'm great at a lot mm. of things and you know editing my videos and, and making those things like i'm not the best i can do it it's time consuming and finding someone who's helped collaborate in all of those ways you know it's been literally one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And that mm. has actually been a, a beautiful sort of like recipe for me to let go in all other areas of my life. And yes. really like, again, seeing that the divine does not have to look like just prayer or this internal thing, but God gets to show up or the goddess gets to show up in people around you. And can I just like let someone else do what I can't do so that we can do it better together? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of that, like the idea that together we can almost create like a hybrid intelligence, like in sacred union, you know, we have our intelligence, but when we're in cohesion instead of conflict, which also happens <laughs> um, when we're in that cohesion state, it's like we have this hybrid intelligence because my mm. mind alone and all of my experiences and all of my wisdom combined with or even like you and I not even just Patrick yeah. and Sacred Union you and I let's say when we're teaching in the teaching space together it's like all of a sudden it's exponential because now it's not yes. just my like channel it's your channel and then it you know it's we create this field of collective um how many plug-in points to the divine can we add in but then with mm. that comes like a layer of complexity yes and how do we, how do we navigate that? Like how, how do you, or how, has that shown up for you? Do you find that, that there's like increased capacity, but maybe increased complexity, or is that not something you experience? Absolutely. And I think that the one thing that comes to mind is, is just being curious and staying in mm. that curiosity and figuring out which collaborations are, are working and being able to pull out or complete collaborations that aren't working right without needing yeah. to make either person wrong or you know that's a moving process and mm. you know I'm thinking specifically with you know our girl Quina who like does all my branding and you know sh she's made everything 
that I visualize in my mind or experience and feeling emotions in my body come to life. And there have been moments where I've watched like, ooh, well, I would have done it like this. But then seeing that the way that she did it was actually better. And same with mm-hmm. Johan and same with you. You know, being in the container mm-hmm. of Root Revolution, you know, they're like, you can, and I know both of you, both of us can do this of like, we know we're in ritual space with another person leading and we're like, oh, well, I want to maybe done this and I want to maybe done that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> instead of really surrendering and in the process of getting to receive from you. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I quantum leaped like so, so drastically because I got to put down that part of me that is always trying to better what is versus receiving what is. Mm. Oof. Whoa. I just felt that yeah. in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I just choked on that like a big old cock. <laughs> wow. Amen. That was deep. Deep in my throat. Wow. See? <laughs> Receiving what is instead of trying to better what is. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And I think an element of that is that discernment, exactly what you said of like choosing who you collaborate with so that you can be in trust so that you can let go and surrender. And I, I mean, I think of kind of a silly example of yoga teachers. I'll often be in a Mm -hmm. class if I don't fully trust the leadership and I'll be like, Oh, why'd they sequence that like that? And uh, you know, in my head about it versus when I step in, And it's interesting because before I've even taken the class, I usually feel if my body's going to be able to relax and surrender with someone. And when I was in Australia recently, I asked myself, because it happened so instantly, the woman walked in the room Mm. and my whole body wanted to let go to her, wanted to just totally submit. And it's a nice feeling when you're a bratty little Serb, (laughs) I both can be, (laughs) to just go, oh yes, take me, tell me what to do with my body in space for an hour, please, please. Mm. Like I want to be led, I want to let go. And I was like, wow, what is it about this woman that makes me surrender so instantly? And I was like, it's her um, authority, but it's also Mm. her humility, Mm. which those two things almost seem like they don't go together. But actually, when you feel them in a human being, at least for me, I'm like, oh, that's what I look for in someone I want to lead me is like a level of authority. They 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 have a trust in their own mastery of what they're sharing, but they also have a humility in a lot all the things that they don't know. And I think that's, that was a powerful realization. I'm curious for you, what do you look for when it comes to being led? Oh my God. It's so good. I'm just like slurping (laughs) that up. I'm like, (laughs) um, yeah, I think (laughs) this, the thing that comes to me that actually I discussed with, um, Andrew Horn when I was in Austin, Mm. um, he's coming on the podcast in January. Bless him. He, he, we were talking about who your closest friends are. We got into that conversation, which is the same sort of, sort of thing, right? Who you trust. And the two yeah. things that we spoke about are depth and levity, right? Ooh. So, which is kind of the same. Like I, I yes. love, and, and this brings me into, it's so funny what's coming through. This brings me into like, you know, talking about my like core, core erotic themes, which are desire and power. Like in order for me to surrender or to, to submit, I need to feel that your power matches mine or is greater than mine, you know, and that, and that there is a desire to go deeper. Right. Mm. And when that's, when that is present, I mean, hello, you as a teacher, like, you know, like then I'm like, let's go baby. Yeah. Mm. And I'm, and it doesn't matter about age or, or any of those things that I think, you know, 
it's like people, you know, the, how many certifications you have, it's your willingness to, to, to ride that wave that goes right into the depth and hold that. That's what I think authority is. You know, it's a level Mm. of confidence of, of your willingness to touch those parts of you so that when I touch those parts of me, I know that you can handle it. Yeah. Yes. And that's something I, I'm so fucking grateful for you, my love. Cause I know, and we've talked about this a lot, like my, in my life, my core wound has been like, I can't depend on anyone and no one can meet me in this, in the space of like, my emotions will be too big or um, too much or, you know, whatever it is, my darkness. And you again and again, you just meet me there, like so undisturbed. (laughs) Like, uh uh-huh. Yeah, totally. And tell me more about that. I'm like, whoa, who is this alien? Um, It's such a profound gift. And I think we can only meet people as deeply as we've met ourselves. And we hear that and we're like, what does that really mean? But it's what you're describing, like that willingness to touch the dark, ugly, weird, creepy, mysterious stuff inside of us. And it is kind of like a mystery when we go deep into ritual space because you're you're stepping towards you don't know what. And when you're holding that space for even as an, an individual in a coaching session or a group in a collective field, you're kind of like setting the intention in the container and and you are like holding the space. But as you said, you're riding the space yeah. because... <laughs> we don't know what's going to emerge in the collective field. And so, yeah, yeah. it's that willingness to face whatever arises mm. um, with, with a smile almost with like a welcome. Yes. Yes. And I felt and that I, in you so much. I think that, you, and I, that brings me to the other awareness of like, you know, as you said, as a yoga teacher, because both you and I started as yoga teachers, this awareness as a teacher, like to be able to read a room, right? You can come in with Mm. a sequence and you can come in with a ritual and that's a a huge, massive part of it is energetically being attuned to what they need versus what you want to give, right? And that's great. That's the highest service, right? It's like, I'm here to serve the people who have come and I am serving myself through that service. And can I have Mm. the willingness? And that's the authority that we can feel is that trust in themselves to be able to ride that wave. And I think obviously both you and I have, we're in this practice. I now get off on that journey. You know, like, I'm like, I'm let's go, honey. Let's let's see what's going to happen here. It's so exciting, which means I am not really in control. The divine is in control and we're just continuously setting up the stage for her. And when you Mm. experience a practitioner or a teacher or a mentor or whatever that holds that energy, it's, it's exhilarating because you as a student automatically know I'm going to get something out of this really deep yes yeah it's like willing to let life surprise you yes it's like just willing to let exactly as you said and i think in that facilitator space is such a beautiful dare i say almost easeful way to do what you said which is can i receive what's here instead of trying to like make it better it's that like high level of energetic attunement to what's happening and being willing to just moment to moment meet the room and yeah, my desire, I guess, is like to take that more into my life, not not yes. just when the stakes are so high and the facilitator seat, it can, there's a, um, well, you know, you've done your hours. We've both done our 10,000 hours. So you get in that seat and you're like, woo, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get into other areas of life where you haven't done your 10,000 hours. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You and I have been in a conversation recently around like, 
and you can, I, I'm sure people can probably feel it in the way that we're talking and how we're describing things, but this conversation around power and mm-hmm. domination and submission. And like, we were joking together how life like is a divine dominatrix. And she's yes. like, the divine is the dom. Exactly as you were describing, when you're in the facilitator seat, you're actually the sub, you're letting go and you're being domed by the yes. by spirit. You're being mm. like led in and through that you're leading mm. the mm you know, I, I would say women, but participants deeper. Yes. Um, talk to me about like domination and submission and your experience of that and power play. And you, you said that that part of your erotic kind of depths is desire and power. So yes. I'd love to just hear news on that. Oh, so it's so delicious. And I remember that moment when you were like getting dumbed by the divine. I was like, yes. <laughs> And I think it's, you know, it's an, it's been a really interesting subject, right? To understand those core erotic themes in me and to understand like, and you and I have spoke about this so much to get away from right gender and masculine feminine. And I understand what people are saying with masculine and feminine, but going into something that Johan and I have been um, working with is like presence and creation, right? The energies mm. of those and feeling like it doesn't matter what it is and what gender someone is, but when I feel someone who meets me in that power, it allows me to surrender into like a void or a space within myself that is seemingly chaotic, but with that added support of another person, it gets to be so like erotically transcendent because perhaps on our own, it can feel really scary, even though practice over time, we get good at it. But when there's an extra person, there's more oomph to be able to, to touch this and sort of really let go. And obviously in in both of our partnerships, we get to feel that and we get to feel it in our friendships. And I'm really fascinated with playing both roles and recognizing, you know, I think that the words sub, like to submit in like our 3D reality is is a, sort of really like a not good word, but in that sacred unit to submit to the divine means to let go of what we think should happen and to give way to what the, the, the moment wants to happen, which is likely mm. something greater than we would have allowed ourselves as a human to, to touch, right? Like yeah. a, an orgasm or orgasmic state is is beyond like what we can imagine with our normal senses it is like a transcendental mm. state of complete yes. surrender and i and I we don't create an ex- orgasm we allow it boom you know yeah exactly so it's like yes yes mm. it's like how much energy can you hold in your body while maintaining a state of let go and relaxation yeah versus yeah. shutting it off or closing yeah. it down you yeah. know you're and gonna to say be in that else ebb and flow well I think that's what that is is like and even hearing it when I say it because I think what we're realizing too through our discovery is like we want to again put ourselves into categories I'm a sub or I'm a dom but really how can we fluctuate and and experience all of them at once moving as we talk about all the time moment to moment into what the moment Mm -hmm. wants versus again what Mm -hmm. we think it's supposed to be and in that like yeah. I'm surrendering into this orgasmic state and then I'm coming back to you know to now creating it and now I'm allowing it and now I'm creating it. I'm creating in my partner I'm creating in my friend mm. and and it's it's just like endlessly fascinating to me and mm. you know mm. it's like a, I think we're just scratching the surface 
And I think that it's, (laughs) I'm very excited. Get ready, honey. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating. What I've, what's been revealed to me through this has been such a, um, and you've been so on this journey with me, like I, um, an acceptance of a part of me that I actually had deemed wrong. Yeah. Subconsciously. I was like, well, the part of me, I'm kind of naturally can be very dominant (laughs) as a person. I'm a bit of a dumb mummy. Um, (laughs) and, and as I kind of opened spiritually and learned how to de-armor my heart, and I'm still very much in that process, but softened so much and learned so much about surrender and particularly in my partnership now, like Patrick has, like, I'm sure you have seen Rachel, the shift in me from before being with him to like now how much softer I am and like able to access my heart and open. And it's been so beautiful, but there's been this like reclamation in the last few months as we've been kind of exploring these topics more deeply of the Dom in me that, and, and actually that I can trust that part of me and that, Oh wow, this is like a skill, a muscle that I've flexed a lot. So it's really easy for me to go there and, what I'm realizing is there's so many unconscious power dynamics that we play out and particularly now with ourselves, but in our partnerships and Patrick and I had a, like a heart ceremony on Friday night and it was so beautiful. And like, one of the things we realized is like, I was like, can we take any of the unconscious power dynamics we have and make them conscious and eroticize them? So for example, like a pattern that we play out a tug of war that has been unconscious is he's slowing me down and I'm trying to speed him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like in, like in life, like I'll be like, <laughs> you were talking about being really fast. It's like me too. And so he'll be yeah. like, you know, like even just getting ready or going somewhere, he fucking hates when I rush him. And I'm yes. trying not to rush him because I know he doesn't like it, but low key, I'm like, hurry the fuck up, like trying to rush him. Yeah. And like, even <laughs> in life, in other things, I'm like, I really want to do this or make this happen. And he's like, well, slow the fuck down. And it's when it's an unconscious power struggle, it's really uncomfortable. But what I realized on Friday night, I'm like, can we make that conscious and eroticize it? So can we make it that you consciously tug my collar and say, slow down? No, no, yeah. no, not yet. Not mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Wait. Mm-hmm. Okay, go. Like yeah. edge me in life through that. And I was like, whoa, how many like unconscious power dynamics do we have that are like, not hot because it's unconscious. It's just a struggle. And like, this world of BDSM and domination and submission is like, whoa, it's, it's a space where we get to just make all of that, re- like to bring it to the light, highlight it, embrace it, and actually yes. get turned on by it instead of all of us running around with the unconscious power dynamics that we engage in that are not hot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's 100 completely. I'm like, <laughs> because, and, and I, I, I actually feel like that's what eroticism is really here for us to do is to heal those patterns through the space of mm. sensuality and sexuality in a, in a, with a person that we deeply trust, right. To understand mm. like, and Johan and I, we just did it this morning because I was again, same thing. Like, I think I've been very, very, very soft and I can be very dominant in my like business way. And my like intensity is very at the forefront and his, presence of him doming me has actually helped my inner intensity and dom come forward. And, you know, he said it today as jokingly as I'm like hormonally constipated right now and I'm in my intensity. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, I wanted you feisty. I'm like, yeah, you created this. And he's like, yeah, thank God. Right. Versus. And I, the reason why I share that is because I had such a deep, deep, um, 
shame around that part of me that like this, this feisty, fiery, like dominant aspect mean is, is masculine, is not sexy, is not, you know, surrendered or soft Mm -hmm. or feminine or all of these things that, you know, we hear exactly that we hear in the industry. And that's actually not the case. Like me, when I'm in that fiery, feisty expression is such a turn on to him. And then it pushes us right into that ebb and flow of like mixing and moving and like him. Yeah. Slow down. And I'm like, speed up. And it's, (laughs) it's really in a way, just bringing consciousness to our shadow and being, and having the willingness to see it. Yes. And the safety to play it all the way out. (laughs) like the darkest parts of us like what happens if we just play it out in a safe way like you know I think there's something really beautiful about BDSM in that way that you can take the things that feel wrong or dirty or taboo and that's the whole reason why they feel so fucking charged and kinky and play it out like okay let me check that out in a safe conscious consensual way like yeah. What happens if I actually go there and allow that? And that is shadow work at the like the deepest level to fully and sweetly embrace all parts of self and to be witnessed in that is so fucking vulnerable. Like you're, if, if that part of you that you've deemed like difficult to be with that feisty part and then letting, letting him fan the flames and letting him make love to that part of you, like, Ooh, yeah. baby. Yeah. 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 It's, it's been mm. uh, incredibly healing on so many different levels, because I still, I remember, you know, we actually spoke about it last night. I remember when I was younger dating and like not being able to like find a guy. And my mom was like, you know, maybe you could be like a little bit less intense. And I was like, my response was like, (laughs) my response was like, no, I need to be. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I love where this, we're like all over the place, but it's all making sense. I think it just brings (laughs) us into this awareness that's like what's present sort of in the, in the conversation and industry now. And like, there's a lot of like, you know, you, you have to be like this soft open and like you have to let them lead and all of these things that I think stamp out our, our fire and our intensity, which is in, in my perspective and from my experience in actual tantric polarity is what they want. You know, it's like they want our fire, they want our passion. And so how can we be like soft and, and like submissive in what reality is called like, Oh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you do everything. That's the way you attract a man. And, and then you get in a relationship and you wonder why there's no chemistry or fire, you know, and can, Mm -hmm. can we just allow ourselves to be all of it? And, and take yes. the shame away. Yeah. And like yes. bringing it into a space where you're safe and consensual, it's like magic happens. Yes. It makes me think, and this is kind of random, but <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. People listening, this is just Rachel and I having a conversation and you're here and we're, yeah. we're, we're together. But <laughs> like, you know, in the book, have you read Stealing Fire? Yes. The book? Yes. You know how he talks about hedonistic Mm -hmm. calendaring? So he's talking about getting high essentially and like using psychedelics and stuff. And he's like, if you always use psychedelics and you're always expanded, then you're never expanded because you're actually plateauing. Whereas if you like don't use them often and then you occasionally use them, you actually get the nice leap, that like expansion point. And it's like, if we're 
in a fake version of softness and submission, like, oh, I'm just like really nice and lovely. Then when you just lay there and submit and give it up, it's not a real true submission. It's like a, it's a, it's a dishonoring of self, which so much, so many of us as women have been trained to do versus like what Patrick has said to me, he's like, when you submit to me, it is such an honor because you don't submit to anyone. Yeah. So when you put it down and you put the Kali Ma swords down and you let me take you all the way, like it is the deepest Oof. privilege and honor because of the contrast. Yes. I'm like, sorry, I'm turn, turned on. <laughs> <laughs> Never apologize for that. Yeah. What turns you on? Talk more about that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, 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 th I think this is so interesting because it's such an, it is such a fascinating conversation because I'm, I'm even feeling myself in this moment, again, that picking up on the shame of both of those things. One, my fire, my intensity being too much, being too much mm -hmm. in my dominant, in my power, you know, that's not a turn on. And then also feeling the shame of like fully and completely surrendering and submitting and letting myself yes. be taken and like, seeing that that comes from, from, at least from my perspective, that there is a right or wrong way, which can kind of go into the gender roles and like taking those off and just being like in the presence, in the creation, in the yin, in the yang, like we get to be yes. all of it. We get to feel all of it, you know, experiencing Johan, like I think as well, like feeling him feeling me in my full, full power and then being yes. able to take me fully and me submit to that is is like he get he gets to this rush of of feeling and then I get to experience that rush in him through me mm -hmm. and it's so mm -hmm. like I love I love it's interesting I've been saying this recently of like and this is full admission this is out loud in public now like you know I I enjoy to to be on top and to be completely honest it's not like one of my full um, preferences and I will go there and it's with the right time. It's wonderful. And the reason why is because it's me more in like this dominant role and yes. I don't enjoy it as much as I do yeah. being like, take me like, you know, and it's not that my energy of my domination isn't present in that submission and in that surrender. Yeah. It is. It's just that I want my body to like, I am like you, I'm driving, I'm fast. I'm like, you know, a hundred feet in front of everyone. And I'm like, oh, I want, I want to be held down so that I can feel that power in one place versus it yes. moving. Yes. Yeah, so mm. powerful. And like the power of owning our preferences, like that's just okay. Yes. And like you said, there are moments which you are on top and it feels right and you're not you're not a no to it, it sounds like if that is the right thing in the moment and it's also just okay to have no's and preferences and I think that's so important and yeah. it's interesting you brought up the thing about like feeling shame for the power and feeling shame for the helplessness because it's like I've yes. also got that where I was like underneath my power was a helpless and is this helpless little girl who's so fucking sensitive and scared that she developed a protector this fierce it's like the tree grows as tall as the roots go deep it's like our power is as powerful as our helplessness is helpless yes. and to play with that in these spaces too is like can i 
be the fucking blubbering mess that's begging and confused and rolling around and like, I need help and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and like, and to be fucked in that space, (laughs) you know, like it's, there's so much power in bringing all of these parts of ourselves into the bedroom and into our erotic life. Why do you think eroticizing these things is so powerful? Like why is it so healing to make it erotic? I, well, I think when I think about the word eros and eroticism, mm. to me, what that means, the, the first word that's like synonymous is totality, right? It mm. is full presence of what is in the moment, right? And so mm. what that also creates in me is presence. What that also creates in me is safety. What that also mm. creates in me is like full awareness, right? And so when all of those are present, I believe real healing can happen because trauma usually happens when we're not aware, when we're not present. Like it's, it, it feels like it's been done to us. There's no safety. It's like, oh my God, what's happening? So yeah, when we're too in much, that too soon safe, being done to. Boom. Exactly. And like to slow down, which I really believe is a massive part of eroticism, right? Even when you Mm -hmm. are going fast, the moment is slowed down in in your presence and awareness of it. And that's when we get to notice these contractions and with our tantric awareness, slow them down, unwind them, unravel them, discover what's there in the unraveling, and then alchemize it with the energy of sensuality and sexuality. It's, it's like, Mm -hmm. um, it's the levity to the depth and the depth to the levity. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I love that, that, that you said earlier, depth and levity. I'm like, I look for that too. It's yeah. like, and, and that's the beauty. I think when we're in an erotic space with someone we trust so deeply is like, you can be laughing hysterically one moment and the next minute you're like fucking and it's super hot and erotic. Whoa. And the next minute you're like crying and <laughs> um, yes. it's, yeah. it's all, it's yeah. all possible. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's like, whoa, listening to this? And they're like, that sounds awesome. But whoa, like I don't even feel connected to my eroticism. Where Mm -hmm. do they start? You know, I've been playing with this, this, uh, (laughs) this aspect of the Holy Trinity, which Mm. to me is body, breath, sound. Right, the holy trinity of our connection of like humanness and spirit, and to use those three things and explore them in your body as your spirit. Right, Mm. Um, it's it it really can be that simple, and we've seen it in in you know all of the things that we have led and and experienced. Even in something like yoga, there's a reason why they're like, okay, deep breath, big sigh, ha, because it allows you to get comfortable in the moment so that you can receive what's actually there. And I think Mm. that you know when you're when you're feeling anxiety, the thing that you're missing, right, is your breath and your sound, right? Get back into the body, move around. And that helps you get out of panic of what's happening in my, in my mind and get it into the body so that you can actually work it out, right? And unwind it and massage Mm. it through you. And so I, I think that that's sort of what I'm like moving towards. It's like, get into that you know, work that, pray with that, worship that part of you so that Mm. you can learn what the language of your body is because it is speaking Mm. to us. It's just that our mind has a tendency to get in the way. And when we use our breath and our sound and our body, the mind has a tendency to shut off so we can actually hear the ancient intelligence of our body. 
Mm, hell yes hallelujah fucking Louis. and it like i think what you're speaking to is so important it's like you know what you want and you have the desire but Ooh. actually so much of it is meeting everything that's in the way and life yeah. does that right like i'm experiencing it right now i had a massive expansion and i experienced so much recognition of these new yearnings and desires and what am i calling into my life and then life brought me all the obstacles inside of me that will prevent me from being able to receive that, which I say I want. And so yes. like what I'm hearing you talk about is like meeting, meeting the blockage, meeting the anxiety, meeting the discomfort, like with breath, with presence, with sound, so that you can actually be with and experience yeah. it instead of like, you know, when something's uncomfortable, we want to move away from it, understandably, but by, by disconnecting, we hold it to us because we haven't been able to process it fully. And now it's stuck in the body and stuck in the psyche. And we pathologize it and think this is just who I am, or I'm broken, or this is my personality, yeah. all these yes. fixed ideas versus like, I yearn for this. I want this thing. If it's someone listening and they're like, I want that connection to my erotic self. It's like, okay, what is in the way of that? What are all the obstacles? Yeah. And there's a beauty to that, to exploring that mess. It's fucking messy for sure. But I think that our soul came for that experience of digesting the karma and of dissolving the blocks and through relating to them and experiencing them more than it came to experience the outcome that the human wants, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, Yes, 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 a million times yes. And I think that luckily we're at this time now where this information is more readily available. And I think that I think the number one thing to remember is like, it is scary. Like, don't let anyone tell you that it isn't. It is. It's scary. You're facing off against part of you that, that you have rejected and abandoned. And it will feel scary. And it, parts of it will be scary. And you are strong enough. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really realizing. And I think like anything else, it's a, it's a muscle that we work. Right. I've been talking about this recently. It's like, we're sort of taught in our society to work the muscle of joy, of bliss, of happiness, of success, of fulfillment. And what about working the muscle of sadness, of grief, of shame, of anger, of rage, so that we get comfortable with those emotions. So we can, so we can then therefore learn from them because I really believe yes. that emotions are here to teach us. Right. But we're just like, if we're angry, exactly as you said, we just turn away or if it's uncomfortable, it's like, no, but what if we turn towards it and learned how to do it in the face of discomfort? Yes. And then it's not an obstacle. Yeah. You know, it's even a, it's though it a, might be uncomfortable, it's, a, it's. Yeah. It's an, it's a, like an it's added. A, yeah. It's it becomes an ally of frequency. Yeah. It's like, oh, that, yeah. that's a signal in the same way that joy is a signal yeah. in the same way, like any emotion yeah. becomes a signal. And like, we can know that on a theoretical level, but the only way that we actually embody that is through exactly as you said, like, how do we flex the muscle? Like I'm learning to flex the muscle of grief right now. And, yes. and I don't know if, if it ever stops, like, you know, we think, and I've been in this trap many times where I'm like, haven't I healed this? Or like, aren't I through this? Yes. Or, and, <laughs> and then it comes back around. I was saying to a client this morning, it's like our tree keeps growing taller. And I think it's Hero Boga that says like spiritual, spiritual evolution is not just an ascent. It's also a descent. And yes you know, our trees growing taller, but our roots are going deeper. And so all of a sudden as we're expanding, as I was describing, I was, and like, wow, 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 wow. The roots are also going deeper to create a foundational infrastructure to hold that fucking tree up. Thank God. Yes. And then pop, you hit a pocket of something. You pop something, you excavate something that's so deep, so yes. unconscious 
that at certain levels you didn't touch it. And then all of a sudden the roots finally are deep enough that like you pop a little pocket of anger or grief. And it's funny that you brought those emotions forward because, you know, we studied from studying trauma, you know, we know that grief and anger are usually the two emotions that we're most disconnected from based on our trauma. And I know you've talked a lot about reconnecting to your rage. Yeah. And I'd love to hear yeah. more about that. And for me, I'm realizing it's about connecting to my grief that the power in many ways covered up. It's yes. like, whoa, that's a forbidden feeling. That's too much. And when we're little yeah. or when we have the traumatic experiences, often it is too much to touch yes. the intensity. So it's actually adaptive for our survival to disconnect in a way. But then the process yeah. of reconnection, yeah. we all want to be alive. We all want to feel joy or want to feel expansion. That's a process of reconnection, but you don't get to, to select what you reconnect to. You reconnect yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking Everything. tantalizing and terrifying. I got to yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and that's back. it, right? You were that's frozen it. this whole time, that's... but I think you're being recorded fine. Uh, <laughs> you're you're like but you know we're obviously we're in the i think i think that's the recipe for life terrifying and tantalizing and and letting <laughs> and normalizing both right because it is mm-hmm. it's i said this this morning you know like life you can feel invincible and a lot of the time we do and then there's a moment where you choke on your water when you're drinking and you feel how vulnerable you are right and i think that all of it it's scary all of it is connected and i and i feel specifically i love that you brought up those two emotions i think rage and grief are are deeply profoundly connected because after we hit the anger we really allow it to come underneath that is deep profound sadness of all of the parts of us that we rejected and denied and not let completely out because we're afraid if I let go, then I'm vulnerable, that I'm susceptible to more damage and all of those things. And exactly as you said, we hold on to these childhood moments. We don't realize that we're not that child anymore and that we can. And through that integration is how we actually, I believe, reach all the other emotions of limitlessness and infinite, like infinite potential and bliss and ecstatic bliss because we're not afraid of those other emotions. And we work the muscle so that, that our entire being is one muscle of like, you know, limitless potential pumping into the universe so that when things arise, because they will, because we're never done, because we're always going to be triggered because we need to be moved by life to (laughs) continuously expand. We're not upset by it. We're turned on by it. Right. And I, and I terrified and turned on, (laughs) terrified and turned on. And I I wrote about this today. I like, and I, you know, in speaking with you as well, it's like, I remember these moments of like deep, profound sadness where, where I'm, where I'm, it makes me emotional just thinking about it, where Mm. I'm, I'm so cracked open. And it's like this, this magnificent space of emptiness where I, my known identity is obliterated. And when I think about those moments, I think about them with such profound reverence of like, my God, was that the most beautiful, magnificent moment of surrendering to the divine, right? To mm-hmm. to a space that is beyond what we can even intellectualize or put to words. It is a spaciousness that is freedom in a way. And I think it comes through 
all of those emotions and, and letting go of the fear of that emotion and merging with it completely. Yeah. And I think your willingness, Oof. right? Like you were willing, you were willing to risk living outside of the known, outside of the patterns and the comfort that they provide. Yeah. And it's like what I'm experiencing in myself is that I'm, I'm expanding my capacity to love, but as my heart and, and as that love tree grows, I'm touching all the things that have prevented me from receiving more love, which is yeah. the armor surrounding the grief. And it's like, we think we heal these things, but I'm like experiencing it. And, you know, I've been sharing pretty openly on Instagram, which holy fuck, like I felt I had a massive which you've been supporting me through like a f fucking beast. I don't know. Yeah. And like the, the level to which we're connected, like messaging me at the, you know, it'd be like six in the morning and you're like, Hey, are you okay? And I'm like, actually, no, <laughs> right now help. Um, <laughs> and like the level of psychic connection is I, unbelievable. So fucking grateful for it. But it's like this massive expansion point, which actually reactivate a lot, a lot of trauma and then yeah. what happens usually for us in that in those traumatic spaces is we disconnect it's like and it's like we don't even have control over it if, for me what it feels like is it's like my inner protector just pulls the alarm which is like yeah. the the automatic shutdown button and and i don't know if anyone listening can relate it might feel like disassociation numbness shutdown just total disconnection and i lose all access to my heart yeah. my feeling and there's good reason for that, right? Like that's a survival adaptation. And I'm like, ooh, I must be close to something deep, yes, honey, if yes. my whole system has just shut down in the face of it. And like through support, which I think is the important thing to highlight, like we don't do this alone. I'm not doing this alone. I couldn't fucking do this alone. Like we, we, yeah. we do this, we heal in community. It's like, then I get brave enough through your love, through Patrick's love, through the love and support of my therapist and mentor. Like I get courageous enough to slowly like, just, just touch a little of that grief. And what I'm feeling the last few days is I'm swinging between, and I'm feeling much more connected now, but it's like, I'm swinging between disconnection, total shutdown yeah. and wailing, yeah. bawling my eyes out, not even yeah. knowing what I'm crying about, like yeah. just total grief. And it's like, oh, here's this terrified little girl that's been underneath all this power and all this disconnection and all these layers so unconscious that we don't even know. And it's just like, this is what healing looks like. It's yeah. so fucking messy. And I'm yes. so grateful for you, my love, because you you are someone who also is very willing to expose online, in life, like when you're not projecting some image of like packaged up perfection. And I think personally, that's what makes you so magnetic and so trustable as a facilitator. Thank you, my love. I mean, both of us. And like, you know, I'm so completely honored to support you through this time because as you said we cannot do this on on our own and i have been held by by you know by my people in those moments and you were one of them whenever that was fucking six years ago and you know moon in that moment that i just spoke of and johan and like and i think what you said is so that's so perfect that i want to point out is like you know, going from complete shutdown to wailing. And I think that so many people can resonate with that. I can certainly resonate with that. And the, the judgment on that is what makes it scary. And can we bring in the ceremony and sacredness and holiness of that breakthrough? Because that space in between is cracking a shell that has been, or an armor that has been tightly bound. And that's what, and it's, it's not going to be like this forever. 
it's going to be easier and easier and easier. And that's why it takes so much compassion and, and sacredness and holding this and a, a levity of having someone who can hold you in that and be like, you're okay, my love. Like, and you're not scaring me because that's the thing I think we think is like, oh, this is too much. I, like, and then that makes us shut down again. And then we're too afraid. But like in the wailing, like, let's celebrate that because it, it is a breakthrough. It is us finally yes. taking the lid off and letting that stream of like pressurized emotions have a place to go. And like, like, yes. can we ceremonialize, ceremonialize that and attract, you know, like people and mentors where we get to be held in that space, where we get to hold and be held? Because that's really what's needed. Yeah. And that's what we didn't get that usually created the armor yeah. in the first place. So that's yeah. the corrective experience, exactly what you're describing. And it's like, I'm noticing in myself, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm able to like the last time I had a massive trauma resurgence was, resurgence was probably about. Um, six years ago, maybe five or six years ago. And even just like from then to now witnessing like my ability to, it doesn't mean I can change it. I can't actually do necessarily, I can't force myself to open. I just am able to be more aware in watching yes. what's happening. And what I'm yes. recognizing is like, I just track, wow, I'm feeling a bubble burst of grief. And then I'm in the grief and I'm wailing and I'm like, oh my God, how long has this been in here? Like, thank God. And then I disconnect and I shut down. I'm like, yes. okay. And what I'm trying to do is say to my body, like, oh, thank you body for titrating me so perfectly. You swing me in, you give me what I can handle and then you swing me out. I'm like, what a perfectly designed system yeah. actually, like that we can yeah. trust yes. the psychobiological wisdom of our body and our nervous system in a way if we get out the way like you're saying and just like and I think for me learning to get out the way because clearly I've been in the way of this grief for a long ass time as a way to survive and thank fucking god because I made it here I am but like yeah. having people hold you so that you're like that you feel yeah. safe enough to get out the way even just for a little while as you, as you say to let the stream flow out a little more and then eventually hopefully it's like oh well now i actually have a relationship to the depth of that grief i don't yes, need to armor yes. it and it will come up sometimes but i know how to make love to it oh Woo! i mean that i know how to make <laughs> love to it because because and it reminds me I'm, I'm thinking like the last time i had a really really big trauma release was um a last summer right before i went to europe and it was like I mean, and I wrote about it again on, and it was, and now when I look back, it was so fucking beautiful and so profound. And I was like, I lost my fucking shit. And yes. I could, and because I am practiced enough in this experience, I was also simultaneously witnessing myself. And I could at times express myself consciously through to Johan through what I was experiencing. So I was simultaneously like in like, you know, can't speak, shaking, heaving in a full and and, it, and that's the beauty, right? It's like it's not I think that's so important that we both spoke to this to, to say like the trauma is not necessarily going to look different. It's not like, oh, oh, I've worked this enough. Okay. I'm, when I have a trauma response, I'm going to be really like polite and gentle in it. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it might not look like that. It might just be, you have an awareness that what's happening isn't bad. It's actually great. And you get to make yes. love to it, as you said, and you get to make love to the part of you that is so beautifully holding as you fall apart. Like what a beautiful gift that is to give yourself mm. and and to give the moment 
Yes. Oh my gosh. And you know, like, and I'm curious if this happened for you when we have those huge releases that are scary, they're scary for a reason because we've held them down for a reason, which is why they're so pressurized and intense when they come out because of the holding down. It's like the equal and opposing forces. It's like if we've held something down that hard or, you know, shut something down that hard, then it has to push that hard to, to emerge and erupt like a fucking volcano. And that eruption in the letting go in the experiencing of the grief or the rage or the trauma or the terror or whatever it is it's like with the right support with the you know yes. all of those things i'm not saying anyone should just go out and force their catharsis we you know i think these things just happen we don't choose it yeah. right and in those moments how do we support ourselves to to stay present in the experience because it's like you're, it's only healing if you're present if you can't yes. stay connected to the experience it's not a healing experience and so that's what i think you and i are describing is like an yeah. ability to maintain connection and what i I'm describing is that there are shutoff points and automatic yeah. shutoff points. I'm maintaining connection and then actually my system is shutting off and that's okay too. Yeah. That's important. But what I'm learning through this is all these memories are resurfacing. All yeah. these patterns are being made clear because my level of awareness now, the inner infrastructure that I've developed through daily practice and daily devotion means that although exactly as you said, it's not pretty, I'm losing my fucking shit. It doesn't mean we're going to be all polite yeah. about it. But then in that through maintaining connection for as long as I can, I can come out and look at that and go, wow, I'm having realizations about patterns that I've had in, inside me my whole life. Things that have prevented me from the deepest levels of love my whole life. Things that have kept out deep intimacy my whole motherfucking life. And if I didn't have this tremendously difficult period that I've been walking through, I wouldn't get to see all that. And I'm curious, yes. did you, through that release, did you see things maybe <sighs> after or in time? Yeah. Oh, I will. The, the, I think for me is like, I had been, as you know, like, this is the tail end of my five year <laughs> rupture experience. So I was, I was mm. practiced enough in it that I could, could track it. And it was, I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was fucking phenomenal experience. Like I was like, wow. And I, I saw where I was just, yeah, the patterns where I was plugging in and making up all these stories and trapping myself because that part of me was absolutely petrified and terrified that it would happen again. And so I had created this as, you know, this massive like armor that was like, like immovable so that I would never have to experience it again. And that, as we know, doesn't actually work, right? We actually need to Mm. move out the kinks and massage and get that fluid and open so that we can see that, ah, this is just me living out that pattern. That's not reality. And I think to tag on to what you said, I think the thing that's so perfect to point out is like when we are kids and we experience anger and rage and, and these, these emotions, like oftentimes they're not expressed responsibly by, by people around us, by ourselves. Right. So we, we condemn them and think it's bad and it's not that they're bad. It's just when they're irresponsibly expressed they're not positive. Right. And so we're learning how to, how to responsibly express these things. So it's not like we're pointing this energy directly at a person or blaming or shaming, because that's just, as you, as you're saying, like reinstating the trauma and re-entering ourselves versus just giving ourselves a sacred, holy, safe space to spew out the years and years of like condensed chaotic energy. And, and it, it's okay. Let it be okay. Not judging it, not needing to, to look at it and, 
and fix it and heal it and solve it, but to let it reveal itself. And and through mm. spaciousness, like during that time, Johan just, he just sat with me just like, like beautifully. And he wasn't like, I will say he wasn't in his emotions. He was stoic. He just held that presence, that deep, deep presence and kept on saying, is there anything more? Mm. Is there anything more? That's the, that's the phrase of not backing down or shrinking yeah. away. Not yeah. only am I here, give me more. Yeah. And <sighs> woo. Ah. Mm. Yeah. You're like, boy, was there more. <laughs> yeah. Boy, boy was yes. there more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My God. It's like yeah. exactly that thing with anger or grief or any heavily charged emotion. Can we experience it without acting it in or acting it out? Can we just experience yes. it as Oof. energy and sensation in the body? And who was modeling that for us as yes. little ones? May, not really many. Many of us did not have that modeled because it's it's hard to just stay with the experience. Yeah. I don't need to act this in by blaming myself, shaming myself, collapsing in. And I don't need to act this out by projecting outward, blaming or shaming externally. I'm just going to feel it as energy and sensation in the body. And I know that's fucking hard. It feels like I know I'm in it right now that it's like, it's going to rip you open. And there's these vows inside, like you were talking about, like how, when we're kids, you know, we have an experience and we don't want to experience it again. So we armor up or we do whatever it is. And then that bubble bursts, that armor bursts, something challenges that. And it's like all those vows of, for me, it's like never again, will I depend on someone so that they can let me down. Never again, will I X, Y, Z, whatever it is, we all have them, those vows that then get questioned And we have to actually relinquish the vow. It's like when we do prayers of like any vow in this lifetime or any other, like, may I release it? It's those fucking vows, those chains. And exactly what we've been talking about. Actually, it's moment to moment. It's not never again because we will be hurt. We will be let down by the people we love, but we couldn't face that as kids, but we can face that now. And the emotions that we couldn't hold as kids, like we can hold now. And it's just, yeah, it's such a fucking fascinating, wild unlearning and relearning experience y'all welcome to earth school yeah yeah it's it's so it's so beautiful it's so gorgeous it's like it's letting ourselves you know off the hook in a way and just like being more compassionate i think to what you just said is like really letting go of absolutes absolutes are fucking danger zone because the only two things that are certain in this world are you will die and Things will change. Nothing else is certain. So saying, <laughs> you know, never and always, and like, I'm never going to, or you, you always are all that, that thing. It's like, it puts us and everyone around us in a trap, right? We can't use finite languaging because it is moment to moment. And that gives us leeway to, to be able to change because we are, we are evolutionary beings. We are meant to evolve and expand. Consciousness is expansion. It's, that's what it is meant to do. If we try to block it, that's when we fucking get this chaotic ball of energy that wants to run havoc on our system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that finite language piece, like it's so important. And I'm so grateful you've reflected to that, that to me in some of our conversations, you're like, my love you're using finite language. And it's so helpful because you're like, fuck, you're right, I am. And that's when we know we're in that child consciousness because the mind as kids can't hold complex, nuanced ideas. We have black and white, right or wrong, bad or good because that's just how the child consciousness works. So it's like a really good point to notice when we're speaking that way and to have the people we love reflect that to us 
so that we can come back into self-agency and that like yes. adult consciousness. So fucking grateful for the mirror that yeah. is you, my love, because you call yeah. me on my shit and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we're all calling each other on our shit all the time. That's what we need each other for. Like, because I, I did it. I did it today. Johan was like, mm -hmm. always really now. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like always, but it ain't always. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Well, my love, I feel like we could do this forever. And the good news yeah. is we probably will, but <laughs> many lifetimes. But I want to do some improvised rapid fire before yes. we close up. Um, what's the fastest way to turn you on? Oof, presence. Full, full fucking presence. Give me all your energy mm. staring at me. Panties are off. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Dom or sub? Sub. Mm. What's the fastest way to turn you off? No, no attention, like being distracted. Mm, mm, mm. What's your favorite form of sensation play? Um, God, the first thing that comes to mind is like energy. I want to feel your energy in my energy. Mm. Mm. Bless. Yeah. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? A leopard. Yes, bitch. Most important <laughs> thing for successful relationships. Uh, conscious communication, co-devotional communication. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Y'all can find me at Positive Pringle <laughs> on the Instagrams. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at IamRachelPringle.com, y'all. Yes, run, don't it, walk, people. What are you going to say? I was just <laughs> what are you going to say with your little jig? I'm like, in my, in my country accent, I'm jigging. I'm doing a little jiggy jig. <laughs> doing a little jig, honey. Yeah. Well, I love you so fucking Ugh. deeply, and I'm Jesus. so grateful for you. Thank you for your time. Oh, my God. What a fabulous conversation. Like, bless the cosmic musing. <laughs> I love you forever. May we do this for many lifetimes. And yeah, I just, I love you. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today, Awakened One. And just a quick thank you from me. Thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource, your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place. And if we're not friends on Instagram yet, then we absolutely should be. So come on over and say hello at Angelica Alana and I'll see you there and see you next week.